When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So we're on the final episode of LA7 and I'm joined again by Shanine Salmon. Hello. Hello. Thanks for returning to the podcast so we can uh, wrap up LA7 together. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I've got goodness. I've just noticed I called it LA17 in my notes. So imagine <laughs> how many if there were that many in S Club 7. Oh, LA7, yeah, that absolutely. Could be the reboot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about LA7 episode 13, which is called Goodbye Hollywood, even though, spoiler, the next series of the show is called Hollywood 7. And this aired on CBBC on the 6th of July in the year 2000. So we start off with the band all just sort of lazing around their apartment as per some of them reading, some of them watching TV. Tina's had a letter from home about how her dad has got a new extension lead for his strimmer. And she just kind of reads it to everyone really excitedly. And Paul goes, wow, epic. (laughs) This is how exciting their lives are now. I really like the, them. Her reading a letter from her parents sort of gave me a shock because it was like, as you said, it was 21 years ago and that is how you would have communicated then. But it suddenly felt really old. I thought you were going to say it gave you a shock because it made you realise that they have parents, like that they weren't created in a lab. <laughs> but yeah, it was just really like, oh, this was this feels like a long time ago. And it doesn't otherwise is a series to me for some reason and I'm not sure I don't like obviously there's anything technical but it's just so like in another world that when you get those kind of shocks you're like oh yeah this is like 20 odd years ago and people did send letters to each other they wouldn't have just like had access to mobile phones or email or all the things that we take for granted now yeah occasionally there will be a mobile phone but it's quite a rare thing to see in this show and they seem to just get a mobile phone as and when the plot requires it so some episodes (laughs) they don't have one and some episodes they just whip out a really chunky mobile for some reason but yeah getting a letter from home I think I'd like to see a bit more of that I want to know more about their uh their families back in the UK yeah does like anyone really apart from Tina's parents it's like she seems to be the only one that anyone cares about everyone else is just like yeah. Yeah, and this extension lead for the new streamer is important enough to go in the It in goes the letter. In, in the letter that probably only like maybe once a month they, they send her a letter. Oh, that's quite sweet. Um I liked the loud Spanish sport that they were watching, a Spanish commentary. Because I yeah. couldn't work out it was filmed in such a way that I couldn't quite work out what the sport actually was. I think I tried to have a look a couple of times, I was like, is it basketball? I wasn't 100% sure, but I don't know if that implies that they can understand it or if they're just in such a rut that they're just, you know, they've got nothing else to do, so might as well watch some foreign language sport in LA. Yeah, and don't they turn over to like a soap opera or something? I think there was another episode this series where they were watching a Spanish soap opera or something, and yeah, I don't think any of them can understand it. They're just sort of <laughs> That's the twist. They can all speak Spanish. Yeah. Looking at it like glazed eyes. Joe says she thinks they've got into a rut because they've been in LA for months now and nothing has happened for them. Uh, at this point, Bradley runs in and is like, Joni alert, Joni alert. And Paul yells something and it sounds like he's sort of hit puberty mid-sentence because I had to play this line many times to figure out what he was actually saying. But it's, um, I thought she was at her assertiveness workshop. 
but I'll put a clip in here because it's like, but I thought she was at her assertiveness workshop. It's ridiculous. I think we're getting into a rut here. I mean, we've been in LA for months now and nothing seems to be happening for us. Yeah, I think we need a change. Jodie I thought she was at her assertiveness workshop. I'm sorry, but that woman needs assertiveness like the desert needs sand. Look at this place, it's a tip. Gosh, she's going to kill us. Yeah, do you remember the last time she saw this place in a mess? This place is a mess. And this um, constant thing to make out that they're complete pigs. Like, that's that's the theme of their... They're, they're in a rut, absolutely. They're still disgusting. That hasn't changed. And I thought only two of them were disgusting. I don't know if in subsequent weeks it's just become apparent that they're all really disgusting and not look after an apartment by themselves. But that seems to be the theme, that they're just basically, you know, adult children, really, who have been thrown in LA and still don't really know how to, you know, look after themselves and be adults. Yeah, I feel bad for Joni because they they never pay her rent. Occasionally one of them gets a job and they just lose it within like a day. And she tries her best, like, you know, she's quite nice to them, but they treat her as if she's some sort of monster just because she wants the rent that she has a right to. And whenever she comes around, they're all kind of screaming like, oh my God, look at the place. It's an absolute state. And this is the point, isn't it, where Rachel kicks off the clip show in a very exciting way by going, do you remember the last time she saw this place? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is the beginning of the clips because I hadn't realised. I thought they'd filmed that weird insert especially yeah I I didn't yeah that makes sense yeah it didn't feel because the apartment looked the same the same sort of level of mess and then the same sort of level of tidiness so it didn't feel like to me that was a happy memory of remember the last time she thought this place was disgusting yeah and this clip is from two episodes ago so it's not really the distant past Um, and yeah it's just kind of it's quite odd yeah I can understand why you know watching it first time you'd think it was just like a specially filmed thing for this episode because yeah Joni's just kind of complaining about the apartment obviously because it's a mess and it doesn't really demonstrate the point very well either because remembering that episode yeah she was initially annoyed but there were no consequences for the band whatsoever like there was a, a brief moment where they got told off and then the rest of the episode was about them making a low budget film for some reason that nobody asked for (laughs) so it's like oh my god remember the last time the place was a mess and Joni caught us out nothing happened at all yeah exactly there was no memory of why that was a significant event because it happens every week yeah (laughs) and they never learn so they're all freaking out. Joni walks in and she seems kind of high or something. Yes. <laughs> That's what that was my initial thought because she walks in, she doesn't care about the mess at all. And she's telling them about how she's had a car crash, but she seems really chill about it. Yeah, like she's meditating in the car. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. There is a, a, a problematic moment where Bradley asks, Bradley asks if she's okay and then it's something like oh no are you injured and then he says like are you injured in the brain which is just (laughs) awful Um, it is really harsh and it becomes apparent that this is just Bradley's mode for this scene where he's just a bit selfish and clumsy in his wording yeah and there's a a bit of um i think it's two in a million is playing as a sort of backdrop which also feels weird because it's like why is this tune playing in the background and she's kind of floating around the place and it turns out she's in love which i guess kind of explains it but it's still weird she had a car crash and then she hit it off with the tow truck driver who picked her up and now they're apparently engaged and she goes uh, loves me a truck for some reason <laughs> yeah and he's what was it he's his name's jim bob he's yeah. from arizona and he re- was it raises snakes for the film yeah. The yeah he's a part-time tow truck driver and apart from that he raises snakes for the movies <laughs> Yeah. What a catch. <laughs> and this all affects the band because Joni is now engaged, so she's planning on selling the house 
and moving to a snake ranch in Arizona with her new man, the dream. The dream, yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, her life is basically waiting on rent from these layabouts that never come. So, you know, I'd take this opportunity if I was her. And yeah, so Bradley is the first one to go kind of, what about us in the selling up? Would you rather live on a snake ranch or with S Club 7 as your tenants? <laughs> oh, so hard to choose. Probably snakes. And I don't even like snakes. So, yeah, that would be... With with someone with his own truck as well, which they... Mm-hmm. I mean, they have no assets, so... Yeah, and what films are requiring trained snakes, I wonder? There must be a call for it. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, if there is, it's not much of one. Just like, I mean, Snakes on a Plane hadn't even been released at this point. So I don't know what other snaky Hollywood films. I suppose it is a side hustle though, isn't it? It's like... Um, it's not full time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tow truck driving to earn the money and then the snake thing is a, a passion on the side. I was going to say, the only one that seems like to care that she's having this nice romance is Tina. And Tina's not the one that I would go to for sympathy, really. I don't think any of them are particularly show much empathy towards anyone else in general, to be honest. I've written this down as well because, yeah, literally two episodes ago, the same episode that we were talking about a minute ago where she was annoyed about the apartment being a mess, she is having a conversation with Tina where she's pouring her heart out about how she's just had a breakup. Like, Joni is really upset. And Tina looks at her and goes, Joni, shut up. (laughs) And it's just so uncalled for. I Like, my jaw was on the floor when I saw that. And yeah, in this episode, she's like, oh, congratulations, we're so pleased for you. And she seems to be sincere. Yeah, exactly. And unless, I don't feel like Tina, like, they've not learned any lessons in the last 13 (laughs) episodes. Like, suddenly she's gone, oh, maybe I was harsh on her and I should show some interest. But um yeah, it's it's basically a gateway to what will happen to S Club 7 now that this selling up is happening. Yeah, because after that, they, they go to the beach to sort of think it over, you know, pondering what to do next. And I like how they've come to the conclusion that they can't possibly just find somewhere else to live in LA because they acknowledge that they are awful tenants. They never pay rent. They never tidy up. And yeah, I love how they have this attitude that's like, well, we can't possibly change. We're just going to be homeless. That's how it is. We're not, we can't possibly stop paying rent. How dare you? They have to leave the whole town. Like they've just developed such a reputation as being terrible that their only option is to completely leave LA. And it's just the kind of resignness to it. Like, yeah. I don't, like in most sitcoms, if that was happening, then it would be lots of like, oh, let's try and stay or, you know, let's try and get Joni not to be with this guy. And there's just this real tiredness of like, actually, nobody can be bothered with that. It's just, we'll, we'll see what we do next. But staying is just not an option. And we're not even going to try and fight for it. Yeah, John suggests they should maybe pack up and move on to somewhere else. Um, which I guess, you know, that fits with the theme of the show. But as the next series is called Hollywood 7, presumably they don't go anywhere in the end. It's it's very odd, I guess. I'll see yeah, how that they turns They don't go out. far, really. You'd think they'd go to New York. And I kind of wonder what happened that they were like, oh, well, we'll just stay in California. Yeah, I'd love to know the thinking behind that. There must have been some sort of, I don't know, like logistical reason or budget or something. Because you would think... They could go anywhere in America. It's huge. And they end up staying in the same place. (laughs) Yeah. And just a slight change of the title and you're effectively in the same place. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing really keeping them there as well. You know, they've got each other and that's what they had at the beginning. Like none of them have formed any long lasting friendships in the classic sitcom trope of you only have a particular group of friends and you're not allowed new ones. Yeah, I think we were talking about this when you were here last time about how um, every time someone else tries to come into the group, they're all just like, nope, we don't need anyone else. And now they find themselves with no friends that they can ask for help because they've shut everyone out of their lives. Yeah, and treated Joni like an absolute nuisance for the entire yeah. series when she's only ever been polite to them. She's Yeah, she's treated them well and they do not deserve it. 
So they're talking about potentially moving somewhere else. Rachel thinks they're talking about their spot on the beach. And and John goes, no, you big hoof. Oh, I do like if there is such little like characterization. It's like, is Rachel meant to be the stupid one? Or is she just the stupid one for this scene? I think, yeah, they are, they're all the stupid one. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes one of them has like a moment of being intelligent. I think it's usually, it's often John. John is often framed as the smart one. He like reads the contracts and things like that. But it is quite arbitrary from scene to scene. <laughs> and Hannah at this point sort of wistfully goes, oh, do you remember when LA was a fresh start? And we get a few clips of them arriving in LA and meeting Joni for the first time when she um, she was on rollerblades and she collided with Bradley and then they ended up moving into her house. <laughs> yeah, she's quite open. She's got all these people and she's like, I've got an apartment upstairs. And I was like, oh, no, I, now I see why they're all kind of crammed into this quite small sort of granny flat, effectively, <laughs> above. But yeah, it's all kind of like... The memories, again, don't seem that good. Like, everything in their life is so chaotic. It's like, why are you looking back on this as a fond time? Yeah, because weirdly, they show that bit where they met Joni and moved in, but then they sort of go back in time in the next few clips, and it's like when they first arrived in LA and they were, like, sleeping in their car, somebody got their... um like shoes or socks stolen out of the car window they had to sell their chevy for a rubbish little like a different car so yeah they're not really looking back on originally it seems like oh yeah that was fun when we met Joni and moved into her house and then it's like oh no before that it was a uh, it was quite bleak yeah. <laughs> and they've not quite moved away from the bleakness it's just got slightly less bleak because they've got a roof over their head but otherwise it's quite the memories just feel like you know, it's sort of, remember when we turned up and we didn't know what we were doing? And you're like, mm -hmm. but you still have turned up and you still don't really know what you're doing. Like, you haven't progressed as people or as a group. Listen, we should just get our deposit money back off Joni, find another place to stay and then just carry on as normal. Another place? Yeah, right, like we're such a great catch for those LA landlords. Yeah, and if you listen really carefully, you can hear them all fighting over us. No, let me not get any rent from them. No, let me. So what are we going to do then? Sleep on the beach? Maybe we should just pack up and move on. Your yeah, boyfriend just got here. Yeah, and this is such a nice sunny spot. No, you big hoof. Move on somewhere else. You know, a different city, another state. You know, make a fresh start. Do you remember when LA was a fresh start? Well, there it is, guys. Hollywood. Yeah, cl clip shows are strange, aren't they? Because they don't, they don't seem to happen so much anymore, I guess, because it's now easier to, you know, re-watch stuff. Whereas in the past, it was more like reminding people of stuff they'd watched several months ago or several years ago and they couldn't remember. Mm. But I, I often, I associate them with more like sort of a big American sitcoms. I, I don't know if they were that common in like British children's TV. They might have been and I just can't remember, but it, it seems like quite an odd choice to me to, to finish yeah. every series of this with a little clip show episode. I agree. And it's just, I mean, it's quite a long series relatively compared to most British series. Yeah, maybe that was a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. it's looking back on something that, yeah, probably did happen about three months ago, but... It's like you're looking back on something that wasn't really that significant in the episode, let alone to revisit <laughs> again a few months later. So, but yeah, it's kind of, yeah, so you have that initial arriving in LA one, which is them just kind of, you know, kissing cars that they want and just realising they don't have any money and they don't have any support network. And then it kind of moves on to their like general adventures yeah someone is like oh you know we've had lots of adventures and then we get pretty much every episode from the series just kind of revisited <laughs> apart from i noticed the, the one you were here for that didn't get a look in that obviously wasn't exciting enough to no, be in that this, was in this a, selection no that was not an adventure um in la <laughs> but i don't feel they went very far i think they went to the beach and then to that venue and then that was it yeah there's a few clips from episode two where they briefly worked at a summer camp 
and it was for sort of gifted children and they basically corrupted them by teaching them to be naughty and then yeah once they're in LA there's a a thing where Hannah stopped a celebrity's house from being burgled Paul was pressured into going on a a date with Joni which I wouldn't really call an adventure it was a bit more sort of exploitative yeah that looked yeah and they're just like again that wasn't like a fond memory when she she comes back with like two of her friends and the yeah. john and bradley are like run off and like knock over a table because they don't want to be seen with these older women yeah <laughs> i liked my bit was um tina being like a julie walters in billy elliott type figure with the the children yeah that was funny with um yeah this little girl was like in a dance class in inverted commons but she was like reading a book about dance and tina was like you don't dance by reading books you dance with your body and then she like takes her to the dance studio yeah and they just did some like terrible dance terrible dancing and then the bit like i can't remember what the song is is it love train or something and they're dancing with these very small children in quite a suggestive way and it's like, oh, this isn't, again, it, 20 years ago, it was a very different time. But yeah. it just feels a bit like, I don't really understand how we got to this point where you're making the children dance like that with you. And it's a bit gross. Yeah. My theory with that song choice is that the first line of the song is, been working so hard for so long. And I think they saw that line and they were like, that fits this episode because the kids have been working hard and now they're not and they've been, they're being naughty. And it's like, yeah, you should have listened to the rest of the song. To the rest of the song is a bit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're on a love train, kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's gross. But yeah, that stuck out for me as, as a, a bad highlight. And then this weird, like, they go camping. And I don't know if it's meant to be like a Blair Witch yeah that's the the Blair Witch episode yeah but unlike in the Blair Witch project they have a bit of a sing song while they're being (laughs) terrified in the forest and there's also there's a a clip from um there's an episode where Joe and Bradley end up getting jobs at the same burger bar and they get a bit competitive with each other so they have a fight while one of them's dressed as a burger and one of them's a hot dog so we get a repeat here of the immortal line, touch my bap one more time and I'll smack you straight in your sausage. That is a good line. And it's a good fight, actually. <laughs> it's it's one of the best screen fights I've seen ever. <laughs> but it's it's particularly well done. Yeah. And it's just, again, it's like, are these really happy memories? And I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure if they're meant to be. It just seems to be like, this stuff happened to us. And aren't we glad we survived it? <laughs> Because the whole the yeah. whole the whole air is survival. It's not like we're having a nice time. It's just keeping Definitely. your head above water. And and if they've managed to do that at the end of an episode, then it's been a success. But I'm amazed they're not more drained from just living in this country where they don't do anything <laughs> except occasionally fight each other in terrible jobs or have to teach some horrible children. Yeah, it's. Yeah, not particularly happy memories a lot of the time. Like, yeah, remember that time we got lost in the woods and thought we were going to die? Yeah, exactly. It's like most people would be like, let's never talk of that again. But <laughs> so little has happened to them, but yeah. they've, they've got to go with it. Yeah. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Yeah, exactly. We, We then, after that set of clips, we go back to the beach Bradley is checking out a girl 
And that very quickly brings us into another set of clips themed around romance, I guess, if you can call it that in this show. I, um, yeah, <laughs> I put romances in my notes and then in brackets, poor John, because John, John is having to lust after the, the same woman. It's yeah. one woman that he's he's after, and then that's it. And then you know, obviously, history shows us that that wasn't where his interest lied. And you just think, God, again, you know, it, it feels odd in that time to be kind of saying, oh, look, they must all be very, they must be heterosexual. And they must have these kind of romances with people. Like, I don't think even Bradley, there's no, like, people of colour besides Bradley. And I know LA is quite segregated, but you never see, it's all, it's so white. And you don't realise it oddly until this clip show that like anyone they interact with, they pretty much look the same. Like all the men, all the male love interests looked one, really old, and two, just exactly the same. Like there was no variation. It's like, do you think this is what teenagers want? Yeah, if I got given a lineup of all the male love interests from this series, I would not be able to like differentiate them. They're all just sort of like tall, like brown hair for some reason, white and quite muscular. <laughs> yes. And they all the same and you're right, and to the point where I'm like, is it just the same actor? And <laughs> they they could have saved no some money. Yeah. Because there was one episode, actually, where there was a guy, well, he shows up in these clips, actually. He has a bit of a fling with Tina. She meets him on Muscle Beach when she's teaching a dance class there for, like, one episode. I guess she lost that job, but I never really thought about (laughs) it afterwards. Um, So she goes on a few dates with him, and then he shows up in a different context in the same episode where he's on the beach and he gets into an argument with John. And when I covered that episode, both me and my guest we didn't realize that it was the same like guy until later in the episode because <laughs> it's like the within the same episode two different scenes and we thought it was just oh that's just another white guy with brown hair the generic american man yeah because there's just there's just no attempt and it's like who who was in the casting to be like yeah Rachel's boyfriend is going to look exactly like Tina's boyfriend from the last episode. Because there must be a point when you're as a director or whatever and you go, is this a different guy? But yeah, it's just so, you know, it's just so like everything's quite boring. Like even the romances, like they're one episode long. There's never any like somebody comes back. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a great trope to kind of move the episode along. But then to give this air of, well, actually, no, it's all about the seven of them, really. So it's like, well, why have these romances? Yeah. If they're all just, at the end of the day, going to be sat on the sofa watching, you know, some Spanish commentary on a basketball game or, or something. Because there's just yeah. no... The, um, just... The, the woman that John is pursuing in this one episode, um, he basically, he keeps seeing her around town and decides that he's in love with her. And then later in the episode, the band are playing a gig at a prom he notices her in the audience and he sort of jumps off the stage and just goes up to her and like kisses her and then literally a few minutes later at the end of the episode i think one of the other lads is like oh so how's it gonna how's it going with you and whatever her name is and he's just kind of like uh no it's not gonna work out <laughs> like it's just dismissed that quickly i can't yeah. remember exactly what he said now but it's just like nah now that i've actually like spoken to her i'm not that interested anymore <laughs> that is the motto of like s club seven like once they speak to these people these boring looking people it's like oh actually you're as you're as boring as you look so i've got no other purpose for you now beyond the odd kiss but yeah it was again because you're looking back and it's like, they don't seem like they're, again, having a particularly good time. Does Joe even have any romances? No, I've, I've sort of I've sort of summarised all of these. I think in this series, Joe is the only one who hasn't had any sort of romantic storyline at all. Oh, Joe. Um, he's just this sort of, like, sexless character for some reason. <laughs> she's sort of, because she's like the aunt slash mum of the group. <laughs> and I think teenagers would be like, oh, it's like your parents getting off with someone. And that's why I don't think Joe gets any romances. But that is still very sad. Yeah, I think Hannah had, as you said before, all the epis- all the relationships only last for one episode. I think Hannah's relationship lasted the longest within that context. Because I think she went out with someone for like a, a few weeks, possibly. Who knows with this show? We don't know what the timescales are. But it seemed like they were a couple for a while. She dated this actor called Tommy DeWitt. 
Uh, and then she broke up with him because he kind of loved himself more than he could ever love her. Paul's relationship with the newsreader doesn't feature in these clips uh, that you were here for last oh, time. Right. Yeah, they uh, clearly want to move move away from that. Yeah, That's if I remember so... rightly, it was quite a short relationship, but quite intense because she was trying to sort of change his appearance and stuff, wasn't she? And she wanted him to quit the band. Yeah, that was to be fair, that was not a highlight of the <laughs> all the rest of them are quite indifferent romances. You don't <laughs> really ask many questions about S Club Seven, whereas she took an interest and her interest was this band isn't very good, you should probably leave. And I, I still agree with her, to be honest. Yeah, Tina, Tina, as I said before, went on a few dates with a guy she met at Muscle Beach. John and Rachel both pulled at a high school prom. <laughs> uh, John with the girl that he kept seeing around. And Rachel, oh, this was a weird storyline, Rachel had to go to the prom with their agent's son, as a favour. I say had to. The agent hinted that one of the girls should accompany his son to the prom and the band were all like, Rachel, you will, won't you? (laughs) But then she ended up getting off with someone else at the prom instead at the end who was more attractive. How old are these people at the prom as well? Because there's a a reference to the prom and proms I thought were like a high school thing. So like they're probably like 18. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it yeah. was so funny because yeah, that that whole episode it started with Rachel is getting chatted up on the beach by this guy who looks about thirty years old, and then and then he casually he casually drops into conversation that he's got his prom coming up. So does Rachel want to go with him? And she, and rather than being like, wait, what? Rachel's like, yeah, sure. Like doesn't bat an eyelid. <laughs> Because, I mean, what else are they doing? Yeah, they have such miserable lives. And then she ends up going to the prom, not with him, with their agent's son, who's going to the same prom and is a sort of nerdy kid who needs a date. But then Rachel ends up getting off with the original guy at the end of the night anyway. Um, And yeah, John pulls at the same prom with this nameless blonde woman who he then (laughs) never sees again and yeah actually bradley didn't have much luck this series either there's there's a clip in here of him like chatting up a woman at a party but in the actual episode she's completely uninterested so yeah bradley didn't do very well this series i'm not sure if he even had anything in series one either because there's always all this talk of like oh bradley really likes women you know all that sort of thing but then we never actually see him in a relationship i don't think no it's like it's always on this brain but you never yeah you never see him have those connections with people so like him him and joe are in this weird sort of sexless watching the other five have various Mm -hmm. romances whilst they get nothing and it's not it's not very clear why yeah, and Paul doesn't come off very well in these clips. Um, as we said before, there's nothing to do with the newsreader girlfriend, but there is a clip of him accosting a woman who's going for a run, and she's like, leave me alone. Not really a fond romantic memory. And there's another clip <laughs> where Joni is sort of forcibly kissing him on the cheek during their fake date. So Paul hasn't done very well this series either. <laughs> oh, two lines that I quite like that were included in here well I say lines that I like weird moments that stick in my memory um there's the moment where Hannah is in the cafe and she randomly just shouts oi oi sexy at a random man like that is included in here (laughs) that's the highlight of the the thing which is yeah again it's those little moments where you go this isn't acceptable now and it's probably should have been acceptable then but yeah i think that is the closest joe no sorry hannah shouts it out joe doesn't even joe just has to look for a magazine um of who she's got crushes on she doesn't even get some sort of leery girl content to kind of make up for it yeah and also another good little tina moment is when she's on a date with this guy and he asks her if all english girls are like her and she goes no i'm the only good one (laughs) i was happy to see that included here and then i was i was trying to think if there if there were any other love interests that weren't included here and all i could think of was um there's an episode where Bradley gets addicted to a video game, uh, very modern. He's got a PlayStation and the rest of the band 
track down this kid who's about 12 because he invented the game and they want his help and then the kid is just really pervy towards hannah i think i I would have loved it if they had included some of those moments in this montage yeah it's just kind of I, i would love to know at what point when they were just sort of chopping it up together they were like yeah this is this is a memory we want of the same boring looking men the one time john had a romance Paul having to go on a date with Joni against his will. Like, these are not highlights of, <laughs> of anyone's life, but that was that's what they pulled out and they were like, this is what represents the show. Yeah, they might as well have included some bits of the, uh, the creepy child sort of trying to seduce Hannah. It's as romantic as some of the other ones. <laughs> then we, so we go back to the beach again and they're all talking about how they probably should stay in LA for the sake of their careers but Tina is kind of like, what career? And yes. she has a really she has a really strangely worded line, which I, it took me a few goes to write this down because it's so weird. But she <laughs> says, we've been how long in the entertainment capital of the world? And she says it like that. She goes, world. And can we even get a meeting with anyone who even faintly matters? I mean, well done to her for being able to say that line because it's weird. <laughs> It is, yeah, it just feels like very, like, I mean, it's not the greatest written show, but the, the non-clip show bits feel particularly rusty and clumsy. And the way they're sat, like, in the, not like the hot thing, but they're staring ahead and it would not surprise me if there were cue cards because yeah. it's just, they're just staring like they've seen death and they're slightly <laughs> dead behind the eyes and they're just reading these lines that don't really work but they've kind of got to go with it. Um, and yeah, and then we get the, the the highlights package of their life of disastrous meetings. Yeah. And gigs, the disastrous meetings to try and get gigs. And then the actual gigs where some of them look like they're filmed in the same place, but with different decoration. Yeah, there's a few performances at the cafe because um, that's been their sort of regular gig space um and yeah there was the the surfing competition that that was in your episode before yeah Um, and there's there's quite there's quite a few clips from the prom as if that was like that's been a highlight of their career so far performing at a high school (laughs) prom and yeah that's that kind of says it all really like the cafe gigs always look quite sort of professional but they seem to just act like it's not a big deal a lot of the time whereas oh well we performed at the prom I think one of them even says that doesn't it doesn't it they're like they're talking about their agent being rubbish and one of them goes oh well he did get us that gig at the prom and it's like is that a big deal is that a big deal if you're a a quite a large band performing some high school prom where you've got off with some of the students as well (laughs) yeah they're not being invited back after that (laughs) (laughs) it's just yeah so it's but that's their highlights of these times where they're kind of like yeah that meeting that nobody wanted to see us or that gig that actually had you know it had quite good attendance but it didn't really lead to anything it just seemed to lead to other further terrible gigs and like when she's like oh Rachel got us the gig it's like did she get you any payment for the gig or is she just (laughs) are you just turning up in these places and singing whatever song you're going to sing that week and then you go away again yeah because like I said before they regularly do gigs at the cafe but I don't know if they even get paid for those presumably they don't otherwise they would be able to afford the rent rent. (laughs) (laughs) they're doing it for exposure exactly early proponents of doing it for exposure (laughs) they've set everyone else back they shouldn't have agreed to those free gigs so they decide they're going to give it one more go joe suggests they go to their agent and say oi mush either things start to happen or we're out of here and i like how paul is like yeah he'll be begging us to stay and he actually means (laughs) that he's not being sarcastic (laughs) <laughs> yeah the agent who's not not helped them for the last 13 episodes suddenly going oh here you go oh, here's some decent gigs that aren't in a cafe yeah we then we then cut to them at the cafe with their agent and i, I quite enjoyed this bit where it's, it sounds like he's begging them to stay as paul predicted but he's actually on the phone to some roofers <laughs> and he sort of hangs up 
And he's like, oh, you know, honestly, roofers, you wait six months for them and then they start working on your house and blah, blah, blah. And then he turns to Joe and goes, I don't suppose you know anything about guttering, do you, Joe? <laughs> it's like, why <laughs> Joe? She out, he's looked at all seven of them and thought, which one of these people looks like they know something about guttering? Yeah, Joe looks like the one who's learned to build a wall for some reason <laughs> joe's got kind of like she could handle herself on a building site look about her yeah she kind of looks at him with disdain but it's like she could have earned some money there yeah exactly she, well, I mean, she could have done a worse job than his non-existent uh builders who've disappeared so if they if they need to pay the rent before they go probably they're not going to get their deposit back i reckon so um, <laughs> they shouldn't <laughs> absolutely if i was jody i'd be like no you didn't pay me any rent so the band aren't happy they ask their agent if he thinks they're ever gonna make it in la and he's kind of like oh you know you might he promises he's gonna send their tape to a big producer who is apparently a head honcho at polymer records which I know, is, I know is a sort of play on Polydor Records, but when I Googled it, it's also from Spinal Tap, apparently. I don't know if that was deliberate oh. or if it was an accident, an accidental reference. I'm not sure. That is a nice twist, actually. That's a bit, bit too clever for the audience that it has, but it's a nice twist. That's why I was thinking it might have been accidental. I think, <laughs> they, yeah. they might have thought that they'd come up with it themselves and realised, oh, it's actually already in this is Spinal Tap. Yeah, by that point company. it was in the can. Yeah, so like, oh, well, hopefully no one will sue. And then they <laughs> left it in. Roofers. They wait six months for them to show up, and then the first great offer that comes along, they, they drop you faster than a pooper scooper with a hole in it. <sighs> Say, you don't happen to know anything about guttering, do you, Joe? Anyway, enough about my problems. What about yours? You do not want to hear about our problems, Mr. Waters. Hey, sure I do. Your problems are my problems. Unless they have to do with a dry skin condition. In that case, you're on your own. Well, we did have one question for you. And for once, we'd like to hear an honest answer. Hey, hit me with it. Honesty's my middle name. That is such a lie. True. So, are we ever going to make it here in LA? And if so, what are you going to do about it right now to make sure it happens? Yeah, so he promises them he's going to send this demo tape off to this record company. Uh, but the band aren't impressed because they're kind of like, oh, you know, we've heard all this before. You've told, you promised us these things before. And they walk out of the cafe. Joni is then packing up and starting to sell off some of her things and the girls are helping her. And she seems quite excited. She says, I've never been married to a snake wrangler before. And Rachel goes, well, who has? <laughs> I um I really like the bit where she's got I can't remember if it's like some sort of footstool or something and she's like oh Warren Beatty gave that to me yeah and like has she has she one of the 13,000 women that slept with Warren Beatty I need to know probably <laughs> and she's also got some sort of ornament that she says Bruce Willis gave to her as well so I want to know more about Joni's past lives yeah, how does she know all these actors? And she's like, oh, no, he's big again now. So she knew him when there was a lull in his career and he gave her gifts. But, um, yeah, Rachel being kind of the voice of reason in this scene again. And there's no there's no clear characters. It's like, is Rachel the dumb one? And now she's like, well, actually, do you really know this guy? Should you be with him? Yeah. And kicks off Joni really considering whether she she should marry this man who she's just met um, and whether she wants to be living with snakes. Yeah, because they say um, he could be a bank robber or an axe murderer or he could have smellier feet than Bradley. And Joni's like, oh no, I've got doubts now. Yeah, <laughs> which is fair. You don't want to commit to someone with um, smelly feet. Yeah, and she's convinced. She says she's going to postpone the marriage plans, put them on hold until she gets the full story on the feet other words she uses yes <laughs> so yeah as you said rachel's kind of like the voice of reason in that scene she seems to care about Joni. suddenly a few episodes ago she was rolling her eyes it was the same episode actually that i mentioned before where tina told Joni to shut up there was a whole thing where <laughs> T tina started trying to sort of flatter Joni and say oh you know we do like you and rachel was behind Joni going no, we don't. Like, <laughs> it just varies from episode to episode. But in this one, 
the band suddenly actually care about Joni a little bit. They don't want her to marry a snake wrangler. That's the bar. Yeah, that's what's kind of like, actually, it's not really about the flat anymore. They've suddenly developed some feelings and care for this woman. But she said it's never been there in the last 13 episodes. But now it's like, oh, no, we, we're worried about her. We don't want her making this mistake. Yeah, so she's going to kind of mull over the marriage plans, give it a bit more thought. And then it, it's suddenly the band's last day in the apartment out of nowhere. John is walking around the place with a video camera. Uh, and this is probably the most tenuous link to some clips so far because John <laughs> is like, remember all the good times we had in the living room? <laughs> Yes, and that's the most baffling bit of, like, all the other clips are pretty depressing, but this one, to me, I was like, they have to have these, like, happy living room memories because it's clear they only left the house to do gigs. Like, mm. they didn't really have any money to do anything else. So it's like, well, you you move all the way to L.A., and you spend most of it in your living room or bedroom because you've got nothing else to do. And it's like, that's not a happy memory. That's a, we really need to get out of this place because it hasn't worked out memory yeah there are lots of clips here there's two different clips of paul falling down the stairs there's too many to go through all of them it's just a lot of like a shot of someone laughing on the sofa a shot of someone running into the room and doing a little dance (laughs) yeah the the bit where um from the the news episode where uh, rachel and hannah have got a really disgusting bedroom that makes an appearance as a golden memory and when they're sort of on the surfboard in the living room as well trying to practice surfing on dry land (laughs) um yeah it's just it it does feel like i can't think of many clip shows like even the golden girls would kind of resort to them looking back on being in the kitchen and having cheesecake and stuff (laughs) but that was quite iconic like s club seven in their living room it's just not iconic it's not what people remember when they think of this series yeah it's bizarre and and i think that's that's the last load of clips because after that they're loading up the car they're actually going to leave and Joni says she's been checking out some of her fiance's socks and it isn't looking good she sort of shakes her head like oh no i don't have good i don't have good thoughts about this and so this is so weird. She asks them if they're sure they want to leave and tells them the apartment is still theirs for as long as they want. But they're like, no, no, it's time to move on. And I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, they cleared out. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because, I mean, the only reason they're leaving anyway is because Joni's kicking them out of the apartment, but now she apparently isn't. I don't know why they put that sort of U-turn in at the last minute because it makes it, it, it doesn't make as much sense as it did to begin and there's with. Not, no, and there's not any, like, sense of peril or, you know, it's like, well, she's already, they've already handed in their notice. They've already said they're going. She's now at this last minute gone, oh, actually, no, I'm not moving in with this man. So <laughs> you can just stay. And it's like, life doesn't work like that. You kind of need to give people, even this terrible band who are not got any other prospects, like, it's not even, you know, they don't even mull it over for dramatic purposes. It's like, oh, there's like two minutes left of this episode. Uh, we just got to go because we've already put everything in the car. Yeah, it's so odd. And they, we find out later they haven't even decided where they're going. But they, <laughs> they, <laughs> knowing in. them, they probably just can't be bothered moving all of their stuff back in. They're just too lazy. They'd rather just yeah. get in the car and leave. <laughs> And I I mean, if I was Joni, I wouldn't want them to stay anyway, because they've never paid her rent. And it's just a a sort of weird, it's a weird dynamic, really. I think in in the first series in Miami 7, they were working in a hotel in Miami and they had a sort of that the grown-up character in that episode in that series was um the the bosses at the hotel which were called Howard and Marvin and I I preferred that dynamic because it was a bit more of a clear-cut thing like Howard was a sort of tyrannical boss who the band was scared of whereas I feel like in series two they kind of they're not really sure whether Joni's a villain or not. It's a kind of weird dynamic because I feel sorry for her a lot of the time. But I guess for kids watching, you're supposed to be on the band's side. It's very confusing to me. Yeah, that's just, that's it. It's kind of they got this very, like, she on one hand wants to mother them, but they're just not interested. They don't really mm-hmm. see her as anything. You know, she doesn't, they don't seem to really value her as a friend. 
Mm-hmm. And they don't value a kind of professional relationship. So you get this. And I think, yeah, you don't get much indication because they're kind of so insular amongst themselves. They don't really care about what she's doing or what. And you see, you see glimpses of that with the whole, oh, you're getting married. And Tina forces herself to congratulate her. But everyone else is just so shell-shocked because it's about their business relationship rather than a personal one. But then they try and mm-hmm. paint it as a woman who really cares about them. And I'm I'm not convinced. Yeah, because that, that sort of goes on into this moment as well, where they, they drive off and Joni looks really quite sad and goes, bye kids, really seriously, which it fell out of character to me. And it made me feel a bit sad for her again, because she clearly really enjoyed having these kids around. God knows why, but she clearly did. And now she's really like upset that they've left and gone out of her life, it seems. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, as we find out, they're not going that far. Um, So I guess. But do they, yeah, they don't even share contact details because they don't know where they're going. It's like, (laughs) You even are you even going to get in contact with her and let her know? I doubt it because they've they've used and abused this poor woman in their flat. <laughs> Joni deserved better. Linda Blair deserved better. Yes, definitely. But there's a sort of uh, there's a bit of a final twist. We'll see if it goes anywhere, but it, I'm guessing it won't. Their agent suddenly shows up at the apartment because apparently Polymer Records have listened to their demo tape <laughs> and are really interested. And obviously Joni's there and she has to tell him that he's just missed them. And he's kind of like, oh, well, if they contact me, they contact me. Because presumably he doesn't have a phone number for them because they no. don't have a mobile phone. He doesn't know where they're going. It's the early 2000s. No one, yeah, they have to write him a letter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he could write them a letter, but he nobody knows where they're going. They didn't really <laughs> think this through, did they? No. Because they're young, you know, they, they've they taken a very relaxed approach to life so far. And it will continue, presumably, in the next series, where they continue to fail to take life remotely seriously and somehow survive. Yeah, and there's a weird sort of flirtation between Joni and this agent who she... I don't know if... I don't think they've met on screen before. I don't know if they've supposedly met off screen, but they sort of have a bit of a flirty talk about guttering, don't they? Yeah, and it's implied that they're now, they're going to be a couple. Yeah, she invites like, oh, him this, in. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, was this, was this building up from anything? And I was like, knowing this series, probably not. That's my assumption that this has just come out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't think they've been on screen at the same time before. <laughs> so <laughs> it's so odd. She invites him into the house in a sort of flirtatious way. And she looks at his feet and goes, hmm, no socks. Promising. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, is it though? Aren't men just disgusting? They would probably still. Yeah, well, like, wouldn't that mean he's got feet? like smellier feet if he's not wearing any socks? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, if I was him and I heard that, I would run a mile because that's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> Who is this woman and why she said that to me? <laughs> and then after that, we get a last shot of the band driving away. And they're all kind of like, oh, it's good to be back on the road, new people, new places. Someone, I think it's possibly Tina, goes, it's going to be a big, big blast for some reason. (laughs) That's very Tina. That's the only character development that has been accurate throughout the whole series. (laughs) Tina being a bit strange. Because it's kind of like a a far away shot of them, isn't it? So we don't actually know who's speaking. But when I heard it, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Tina. It It seems like something she would say. (laughs) (laughs) Has to be Tina. And then it cuts to black and we hear Paul say, well, where are we going then? And they're all like, ah, and that's the end of LA7. The end, where are they going next? It turns out just down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you know that, it feels like a bit of an anticlimax. Yeah, because I had to look it up because I was like, I'm sure there was a series called Hollywood 7 and I thought I'd had sort of like a Mandela effect because I was like why make such a big deal about leaving LA when you're not actually leaving LA? I bet it's gonna I haven't obviously I watched it when it was on but I haven't watched it recently and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna place a bet now that um this whole you know little twist with oh Polymer Records were really interested in you I bet that's never gonna come up again. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, they've moved. Yeah, they've moved on. And then, and the fact they did this whole big ultimatum and then just drove off into the sunset without checking. <laughs> on yeah, just they're such a mess. They're basically seven hot messes, <laughs> and I wish them well in Hollywood down the road. Hey, nice guttering. Yeah, I got a great guttering guy. The best in the business, in fact. Really? Uh, what am I going to have to do to get his number? Well, why don't you come inside and I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no socks. Promising. Yes, now this is more like it. Yeah, it's good to be back on the road. New people. New places. New roadside diners. It's going to be a big, big blast! Yeah! Where are we going then? They, they didn't think this through. They, uh, they, uh, I still, I really don't like that bit where Joni's like, oh, never mind, you can stay after all. And they're like, no. <laughs> it's <laughs> no. such a weird thing to put into the script. Like, why couldn't they have just left on the terms that we thought they were leaving on? Yeah, exactly. Just just go. and Or just not even mention it. Joni just be like, oh, well, that's not happening now. And just be like, well, it's lovely having you in my home for however many months it's been off you go instead of that weird no we don't want to stay in your house anymore anyway moment well if, if she doesn't uh you know keep things going with the snake wrangler i hope she's very happy with uh, mr walters the <laughs> agent maybe they've got a lovely future together at least she had that little nugget of hope at the end of the series they gave her something yes some happiness which she deserves after such terrible tenants yeah, exactly. So any other final thoughts? What, did you have any other sort of notes that we haven't brought up already? <laughs> no, I just, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what happens in Hollywood, um, where they go, because they're getting on a bit now. It's going to be like the third season. Um, mm-hmm. How what, what happens with their slightly weird one-off romances and what other terrible gigs they end up happen- having sort of, again, just down the road, really. Unless more yeah. proms, maybe the Oscars, if they're really building up the Hollywood element. If they keep going to a prom in every series, it's going to get increasingly creepy. <laughs> increasingly, these proms with these, like, 35-year-old men are not what teenagers want to see. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm oddly looking forward to, to seeing Hollywood 7 and I will um, I will make that part of my viewing in the run-up to the next podcasts. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be plenty more one-episode-long romances. But also I did, I had a little sneak peek at the, uh, the sort of episode summaries on Wikipedia for Hollywood 7 and in one of them, Hannah and Paul kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> So this so, is a big yeah. development. It says something like reflecting real life events. Hannah and Paul <laughs> kiss and then try to keep it a secret from the rest of the band, which I do vaguely remember happening in the show. And I remember thinking it was a huge deal at the time. So I'm looking forward to reliving that in Hollywood 7. Yeah, I think there was a bit as well where kind of isn't this where it's come out recently where they've sort of said, actually, there's a very weird blur about what happened first. Yeah, and I they're still Paul not quite did sure. Some sort of interview where he kind of implied that it was set up, but you know, we obviously we don't know. We haven't heard Hannah's side of it or anything like that. But um, <laughs> well, well, yeah, Simon Fuller yeah. is the one I want to hear from ultimately when it comes to S Club Seven. <laughs> I don't care about the actual S Club Seven. I want to hear from either Simon or Kim on what actually happened. <laughs> well, I don't think either of them are going to come on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they never find out about it. (laughs) (laughs) So before we finish, uh, do you want to just let people know where they can find you on Twitter and anywhere else? Yeah, so on Twitter, I am at Braintree underscore. Um, I am still, even though there is still a lockdown, I still have a theatre blog called uh, viewfromthecheapseat.com. Uh, where you can find occasional reviews, hopefully some more frequent ones now that theatres are reopening again. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.